Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage? Companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real day, uh, play, real play, real D&D, both show, Roll for Damage, it's real D&D and they're really playing. Um, it's our 30th episode today, which is why everything's so smooth and professional. <laughs> can you believe it? And can you believe we never repeat a topic that will change probably, but not today. Um, so flashing back on Friday, our Shields of Twilight returned to Cageboro after having survived their uh, strange and disturbing encounter with some weird alien babies after taking some time to shop and chat about fantasy inhalers and other things, they head back into the desert and came face to face once again with their most deadly and dastardly foe. The one enemy responsible for more pain, more suffering, more inconvenience than any other earthworms. <sighs> anyway, um, so Oriana died. But will she stay dead? We don't know, um, but we'll have fun speculating and we'll have fun speculating right now. As always, stick around after the stream for links and resources. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. Um, so joining me today, we have some lovely guests, some familiar faces, uh, and just familiar faces nobody knew. We've got Serenity, our favorite DM mom, who we all know and love. We've got Jay, who plays Campion, and we've got Jake, who plays Oriana, the um, recently deceased. So uh, you guys had a lovely little shopping trip and a completely uneventful, nice, relaxing trip in the desert. What's the damage? Actually, Apparently I love purple this, hair. I love this contrast because uh, Jay was the last one who lost a character uh -huh. to Worm. Yeah. You guys can commiserate yeah. together. Yeah, feel free. Uh, yeah. Offer each other emotional com comfort. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, trying, it doesn't get wormy easier, time. Uh, <laughs> You go into a deep depression. Does not get Start better. wondering about life. No. <laughs> oh man. It's a peace copy, the real one. Okay. Wonderful. 
Okay, um, so we'll talk about Oriana in a bit. Um, but first we had a couple of nice character moments for Campion, who hasn't yeah. been on in a while, so I do want to talk to you. We found out a little bit more about this mysterious bounty hunter. Uh, and Jay, I was wondering, what originally gave you a, the idea to play a chronically ill character? Like, that's so interesting. Yeah, yo, I thought it would have been, like, uh, really cool. Um, at that time, I was I was sick as well. Uh, and I was like, ah, oh, dude, it, it's it's really hard to breathe. And I was like, oh shit, what if my what if my character has like really shitty, like health problems? And then I was like, oh yeah, that could totally work for his backstory. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, he's got he's got a weird adoptive parent, you know, like like he kind of thinks like a dwarf, but he's like a human. I don't know if you ever read uh the book uh the watch Discworld, the watch dude. Yeah. Oh, I fucking love and I and a carrot. I thought a carrot, and I'm like, what if carrot was was more of a nerd? Um. <laughs> and uh had had like asthma <laughs> and then That's campion was born dude. and i was exactly i was like yeah this is the shit dude i fuck with this i fuck with this bad man um so yeah dude which is which is cool because i've never really kind of played a character mm -hmm. with this type of like urgency before um and i feel like um it it it's a good kind of uh, you know um springboard into kind of the campaign as well um uh i feel like i gave enough wiggle room for you know serenity overall to, to to play with it as well you know um as well as try to like you know allow it to be um a plot device that kind of mm -hmm. brings him closer and closer to the whole like the party's overall uh mission you know um so yeah Awesome. Um, and what's it like, has it been different playing like a character with a disability? Because you don't see those too often as PCs. Um, in, in my sense, uh, no, I don't, I don't believe so. Uh, I just feel like it just adds another foil to mm -hmm. the character. I think it's fun, you know, especially like Campion, you know, he's, 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 he's always kind of, you know, he's kind of like the friend you have that you're, you're always kind of like nervous around because you feel like he's going to like probably drop dead anytime soon. <laughs> so you're just like, oh shit, yo, hey, you, you okay? You're good? Did I, did I, do, do, yeah. do we go too fast, man? You know, you, you okay? And then Campion's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'll, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, you know. He's like weeping. Uh, this is cool. Yeah, he's like, uh, <laughs> 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 you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, and Campion growing up, man, you know, he didn't really have like a lot of friends anyway. So it's like, it's cool that like kind of people other than like his parents are like, you know, hey, you, you, you okay, man? You okay, buddy? And he's like, oh yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's cool, you know. <laughs> Aww making friends oh. um yeah speaking of that um you had a little bit of an exchange with uh, perry in the first half of the episode where mm -hmm. she i think tried to make friends with you um can you tell me mm -hmm. a bit more about campion's kind of mindset at this time regarding the group because i feel like he is <clears throat> having a little bit of a freak out over the abject oh, yeah, no, he's a major, which is the children twilight See, like, like there yeah. was there was yeah, like it was, it was start, it was like little bits, right? Like it was, you know, the weird kind of, uh, I don't, I, there weren't frog monsters, but the hair, like weird hairy monsters, they kind of first interacted, that kind of fucked up, um, you know, uh, 
Campion and the rest of the group when they were going through the, I think the the marsh area, going towards the desert, um, that little area, uh, and then you know then it was with uh, Perry's kind of like cousin people, you know, they were kind of being turned into the monsters and the whole cave thing and like everything. So slowly but surely, Campion's been like, okay, this is this is weird, but you know it's good, you know, eh, we're fine. And then the babies, um, the the abomination floating mind babies is where he kind of went off to the edge like uh <laughs> you mm-hmm. know like uh you know seeing uh like call of cthulhu you know it's like oh this is insanity like i i i you know they said that they were into some crazy shit but uh you know this is the deep end now which like you know in in any case would would be fascinating to campion but you know it's also like yeah you have to you know think about it's life it's now real life or death it's things that are kind of out of his control um and then he's also dealing ever since he's in this group he's been dealing with these weird dreams he's never really had before Mm -hmm. and he's just he's just trying to wrap his head around everything um at 100 miles an hour uh and you know i feel like at that last minute everything kind of did a full stop and he's just picking up the pieces and uh, getting shit fixed, but that kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, reassurance from Perry, uh, I, I believed uh, was kind of the kick he needed um, to get shit back into gear. So yeah. Nice. How long has Campion been with the group in game? Like two weeks? Yeah, probably. A, yeah. A, uh, maybe a little <laughs> bit more than maybe a little bit more than that. Probably around two or three. Like, closer to three. Three-ish weeks. Yeah. Yeah, lots happened. <laughs> That's happened. Last fucking happened. Cool beans. No, he'll get it. He'll get on his feet. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe. Well, no, we're, we're die trying. Yeah. <laughs> know, there'll be another worm. I can't run worms anymore. I just, I I'm just not. There's just literally done for this campaign. The insanity. They are. <sighs> they are a notorious and difficult creature to run. Lovely. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay, before we move on, uh, Serenity, I actually wanted to clean, to clear something up for me personally. It's a question that I have. Mm-hmm. It's a question for me. <laughs> it's my show, Second Half Questions. So how are we interpreting the cost and material components in this campaign? So do, jewel, do jewels like have inherent worth in gold, but they can be priced up and down? So is the price like in shops arbitrary? Well, thought- go go buy a diamond ring in real life. Are you paying yeah. for, like, do you know exactly whether that diamond is, is that diamond worth $10,000? What are you paying, like, what are you paying for, right? Like, you're not paying just the base cost. Like, you never go to a shop as a consumer generally and pay the base cost of what something is, right? You're They're always upcharging you slightly because they have to make a profit on something. So there are those shops where you could go to and they may give you it for the straight value of, of the thing. Um, and you may find those types of merchants or you may be able to haggle them down. Um, but then there are places where the person is going to try and upcharge you as much as they want and get away with it. And it's their right to do so as a, as a merchant, whether you purchase that thing or not and know the difference is up to you. So, um, so yeah, there, it's not really so much as like, uh, like playing around with it. It's just like, I'm a merchant. I'm in this kind of a city where these kinds of things are hard to get. I'm going to try and get as much out of you, especially if you're stupid and not going to ask any questions. And not try to haggle me, which they didn't. They were just like, okay. So that was like what happened there is he had, he had 
items for sale and the group purchased what was given to them. They never asked a question. They never tried to haggle the price down. I mean, I, 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 I tried to haggle you. a bit with the mm. jade. Did you? With the jade, <laughs> but the jade wasn't something he want. Like he had no need for that. No, I know, I know. Right. I know. So it's it's up to the players to do that. But again, like yeah, anytime you go to buy something, there is going to be a slight, sometimes a slight upcharge um, in in cost of of whatever you're buying. Uh, it's economics, man. Yeah. You know. So when it comes to magic, it's like whatever the fair price for the jewel is, not whatever the actual price is. No, so it's yeah. whatever. So if for magic, it's whatever the actual cost, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever the actual value is of that thing. So they he charged four fifty, but the actual value of that diamond was only three hundred gold. So it can only be used for say a revivify spell. They could not try like let's just say I charge them five hundred for it. They could not then use that mm. for raised dead because it isn't actually worth five hundred gold. They need five hundred gold. How do you just, just for things for like inflation though? Like does the uh, this is getting way too into the economics, like economics of your but... world? <laughs> uh, I mean, based, I, uh, based me... on the fact. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, but, mm -hmm. Well, I was going to just comment on the fact that uh, I don't know if inflation actually can technically happen because they use a gold-based system. It's all set values. There's only a set amount of gold in the world. It's not like paper money where you can just print more and say, no, 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 this is the worth the same much as, as this. I guess, but is every country on the exact same gold standard? Because like prices would vary from region well, gold to region, is, you would think. I mean, well, I mean, generally, like you're, a gold is worth a, a gold is worth a gold, right? Like I'm not going yeah. to, for them to go to like, like, I mean, so far they've been in Dash and they've been in Saratan. Uh, and, and like, I never said, well, actually your gold is only worth 0.5 of a gold in Avonhurst, and mm -hmm. it's worth 1.5 of a gold in Sarah. Like, Your no, gold that's no good here. So, I mean, yeah, generally that's, that's in D&D, so you math. try not to get into the yeah. economics of it all. So, I don't do that, but I do sometimes have merchants that will try to either get more or be willing to be more, um, like, be haggled or also be willing mm -hmm. to trade. He just, they didn't really have anything for him that was going to get him to reduce the, the cost. And that's the other thing in D&D. You often can barter with some like merchants they're willing to take certain items if they're interesting to them or, or worthwhile he just he was like i don't have he was like a magic weird antiquities item seller and mm -hmm. he was like no i don't really need that he was very fun sounding. sounding um thank you for <laughs> indulging me that was fully me overthinking fantasy economics um lovely okay jake um so actually i wanted to touch on something uh from a little bit while back. So the party sort of discussed what the mysterious figure had said, read Dobby's immortal soul and the possible torture of it and how he's definitely suffering right now in some kind of weird hell, you know. Um, so Oriana has been dealing with a lot of guilt uh, regarding that and other things. So I kind of wanted to get her perspective on the potential whatever's happening there. Um, well, I, I think her her thoughts on the matter are perfectly encapsulated by the fact that she knew this guy would probably be able to kill them if he really wanted to, and she still wanted to try and counterspell his teleport. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, um, she was not happy hearing that, to say the least. Um, again, it... it it's a really weird sensation for her because it's not like Dobby and her were super close, but she wanted to be able to form that friendship with him. She wanted to be able to build that relationship. Um, 
and then just being robbed of it, like right out of the blue, right after she's decided, no, this is worth my time and effort. I'm going to, I am going to build a relationship with this person. And then just having them ripped away from you uh, really, really hurt her. And it really hurt her specifically because she tried her hardest to save him and she couldn't. He was just gone. He was just in the mouth of the creature. She couldn't see him to cast the spell and all that. Um, so yeah, hearing that this guy is basically toying with Dobby's soul, torturing it, licking it, eating it, boiling it who knows what he's doing um is very very personal for her she's going to take that very very personally she's already been working like in her downtime just trying to figure out is there a way i can somehow bring dobby back still um which would be canonically the reason why she uh, would eventually try to learn wish um but uh yeah no that this this hit home and it hit hard Cool. Jay, you were making a couple of faces there. Do you have thoughts? <laughs> no, no, dude. You're very I expressive. Mean, I mean, yo, dude, Dobby, you know, that, like, seeing, seeing that Oriana wanted, you know, that friendship with Dobby, man, that, that hit right here, man, you know. Um, yo, for real, man, I really wish, I really wish, you know, Dobby would have made it. They've been so chaotic together. But it's hey, so man, chaotic. fuck it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, dude. Yeah, it sucks that you know his soul is getting tortured for eternity. But hey, fam. I, I shudder to think what a ninth level spell casting Oriana uh, and Dobby could get into had they become uh, close friends and allies. Oh, like, so much, so much bullshit, dude. Yeah, dude. One dude, of one of the things. Alive, it, dude. Uh, I, I so one of the spells I took. I haven't had a chance to use it. Was greater invisibility. Uh, and she wanted to give Dobby a way to attack things while invisible. Um, oh, yeah, so I kept that spell around for her because it still made sense for, you know, give it to like Sinric or something, or even Campion now that she knows that he's a, you know, real good fighter when it comes to long ranged attacks. Um, but she, that, that originally was why she took that spell. That's why she was practicing that spell. And when she finally got fourth level spells, she got it. So sad. Yeah. It would have been perfect for a rogue monk too. Yeah. Oh. Oh, dude. Yeah, I would have been able to go invis oh invisible exactly. and then just like shadow jump everywhere. Oh, it, the shenanigans was. Oh, dude. Oh, so good. Oh well. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to yes, his own form. worm battle. Worm battle. <laughs> worm battle. Yeah. Point two. Um, so, Oriana, that <sighs> battle was tough for you from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I don't even know really where to begin with this, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. um, it was very upsetting, uh, very, very tragic. Um, and I think I, I I'm not sure what hurts the most about it. Still, I get we'll wait to see. You know, there's still a chance. Uh, there's still options available. Um, but I think the thing that hurts the most about it is the fact that there really wasn't anything I could have had her do that would have changed the outcome. It was just all 
on the dice. The failed death save. Um, the fact that you didn't get an extra health because you were outraged. The fact that I didn't get extra health. Going it was invisible might have been the only possible thing you could have mm-hmm. done. It, well, even then, the the worm has blind sense when it's yeah. But if it comes it? out and it yeah, it doesn't really know who to. T- that's true. It has blind sense, but it also has eyes, I think, as well. Yeah, the the again, uh, yeah, like, there wasn't I, really. Yeah, there, I, I we Serenity and I after you know after we play, we always just talk and chat about the session and everything. But after like everybody else had left, I specifically asked to talk to Serenity, and we basically ran through the whole fight and we tried to figure out what could have gone differently that was within our control. And we couldn't come up with an answer. It literally just came down to her randomly rolling to see who got hit. It happened to be Oriana. Oriana happened to fail that first death save. You know, the only thing we could come up with that really would have changed an outcome is a different dice roll. And at the end of mm-hmm. the day, you you can't plan for that. Well, and like one or two other things, but I'm not going to bring it up because like it like in the moment, yeah, yeah, for I mean, players yeah. to know every yeah. single thing that they could do and they're panicking and they only have so many seconds to kind of like it was a bad situation. Yeah. Um, you guys are so dedicated to D&D. Like, it was not what, what to... a game. When a game ends, I just go play video games. Like, <laughs> like forget instantly what happens. I mean, I get being being attached to a character. You know, it sucks when, mm-hmm. you, when yeah. you're watching this character story unfold over like 40, 40 some sessions, which is like, you know, four hours a session. That's like, what? uh like 200 what four no 160 hours of play that's a lot of time right um and and, and don't even like think about like all the man hours that like would go into the dm thinking about storylines yeah it sucks for me like when that happened first of all i thought oriana was alive because i thought that the extra hp that Mm -hmm. uh oriana had i was like okay this can still work out Um, and then, then, uh, he was like, oh, I took the extra HP from the the healing word. And I was like, oh no, you didn't get that. Yeah. I I, I I just shouldn't have said anything. That was the one thing I should have 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 changed. I should have just lied and like, oh no, no, I I have 32. Uh, (laughs) and honestly, that would have made, like, had she been up for one more round, that would have made all the difference. Because Sinra got inside and he, he, he was able to get the worm to regurgitate them like right after. So she would have had one more chance and there were people around that could quickly you know healing healing hands or whatever um uh and sometimes that's that's all it is it's like and as a dm you're like stuck there like there is literally nothing i could do at that point after those dice were rolled and Mm -hmm. i I said the damage and then that happened i was like there is at this point i can't do it there's no there's nothing i gotta play the 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 creature and honestly i was like well this creature then they killed all Mm. of the 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 void worms which broke yeah what was agitating it and i had to mm-hmm. make them roll a, a d20 to see if like is this creature mm-hmm. going to keep fighting these things because it's confused mm-hmm. as shit mm-hmm. it doesn't want to be here um and it ate something but it doesn't really know what's going on and it's not going to be like oh sorry like it's yeah. it's just going to keep going um oh, and so that was what that <laughs> that was what that d20 roll was for was is this thing still going to keep fighting and thankfully they rolled high enough and it yeah. did stay there it only had its uh fight or flight mechanism triggered when it was like literally about to die yeah. um, uh, but yeah it was just one of the i mean it really wasn't meant to be an encounter to to fight the worm and unfortunately like they went into a sandstorm where they couldn't see very well and tried to message yeah, creatures they didn't be. know what they were messaging 
um, which is can work to your advantage sometimes, can also work to your detriment. And they couldn't see them either. Like those void worms could not see <sighs> them. They didn't. They don't have tremor sense. They're like flying and floating in the air. Mm-hmm. So that message triggered them to be like, oh, there's something here. Off we go. We're coming towards you. Okay. No, I did. But again, we didn't know any of no, that exactly. beforehand, so you we don't... couldn't have planned for it. So, no. um, yeah. But you did choose to go fight a worm, which you lost a party mm. member from. In the middle of a sandstorm, knowing you can't see, mm-hmm. knowing they can't see you I on just, the ground. I mean, I just tried to keep away from the worm. That's all I tried. No, no but you, you <laughs> can't see I'm saying you were, like, anyways, all I'm saying is, is sometimes hindsight is 2020. Uh, and moral of the story is worms suck. Avoid yeah, they, them. They, they, worms they do. suck, dude. Yeah, but there's still hope for Oriana. There is. We'll see. Uh, do you have another character planned already if you don't pull through? I, I almost don't want to say because I don't want to jinx it, but yes, I do. Um, okay. I do have another character. Yeah, planned. don't don't because you are gonna you are gonna jinx it. Trust me. Okay, that's, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> Question and answer. I wasn't gonna go into detail. Just yes. Okay. Not allowed. To. What are you gonna? I'm curious though. What are you gonna do if Grandpa Asmodeus actually saves you? That was um, very interesting. Old Grandpa Asmodeus, oh. yeah, I'm so to hear you. <laughs> That actually was something that Serenity and I talked about after the session too, of a um, you know what what would happen <sighs> if Oriana manages to get brought back. What would that mean? Um, I'm not entirely sure what she's planning with it, but just going off of Oriana in her dying moments, what she thought, um, if he is directly responsible in some way and she knows he is directly responsible in some way for saving her in her mind that makes it that proves to her that it's possible for him to be redeemed and the thing that lex had told her about maybe your story is about the redemption of a god has stuck with her ever since lex told her that Hmm. um you know and lex mentioning that she had seen it done before uh i have my own theories as to what's going on there but i won't share them yet So, yes, if Asmodeus for some reason intercepts her soul in the afterlife from going to where wherever the curse takes the souls and manages to get her back to her body somehow, um, yeah, she she's willing to listen to him, she's willing to hear him out, she's willing to do what she can, and that was the reason she apologized. Uh, said her, said she was sorry to Ayun because she wants to follow Ayun, but you know she's about, she knows she's about to die. She's gonna she's gonna try anything in her power. Why did she ask Ayun then? Did you think Asmodeus was more likely to answer? Um, interesting question. In Oriana's mind, Ayun is or has already kind of shown that she's watching out for Oriana. She the book came back. She's gotten the message from Ayun before. Um, she knows that it's that it's her purpose to walk the path of Ayun. The apology was less like, I'm sorry, I'm going to go with Asmodeus, and more of like, I'm sorry I wasn't able to walk the path. I should clarify that. Um, and an and a, a olive branch to Asmodeus of, I'm willing to listen if you're there. Uh, sort of thing like she's not this isn't her pledging her yeah this isn't her pledging her undying soul well kind of it kind of was it kind of is it kind of is um a little bit 
Okay, this, this big, was, big daddy Asmodeus wants his due, okay? <laughs> to, to clarify, this isn't her saying, I'm taking a level into Warlock Asmodeus, Infertile Warlock yeah, yeah. Asmodeus, you know, save my soul. This is, this is her <laughs> that you know. acknowledging that she has come up short. That, that I know of, yes. This is her acknowledging to both gods that she has come up short mm-hmm. and she's willing to listen. She's willing to try anything. Um, because she's been playing around with that idea of Asmodeus for, for a while now, since pretty much since Baltaim uh, talked to her about it. She was kind of iffy about it at first, but then with the Lex conversation, like I said earlier, she's much more not necessarily open to the idea, but thinks it's an interesting thought. Like, mm-hmm. what if, you know, supposedly he's Ayun's nephew, right? That, that was what he was? Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe, her, maybe her story is to repair the relationship between them. Maybe it's... Wait, to yeah, dude. Uh, you, so. she, she could have completely done a, what, what Quinn is, is doing, you know. I don't know if it would be that direct of worshiping two gods at the same time, but she may be able to bridge the gap between them. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, yeah, because it doesn't—it doesn't seem like Melora and Bane hate each other. They just represent they different on. ideas. They—they no, they care yeah. about each other in a way. Um, I mean, Bane literally told Quinn, "If you break her heart again, I will crush your soul." <laughs> I will crush your soul. But with Asmodeus and Ayun, it almost seems like there's more of a rift between them. So maybe that is Oriana. Maybe she is the bridge. Family Fascinating. Drama. If she survives this. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to um, affect your play anyway, but I desperately want Oriana to take a couple uh, levels in Warlock. <laughs> that would be so funny. I've thought about it. I just, I don't, I don't know what would be beneficial in the <sighs> build, and I don't know why Oriana would do it necessarily because she owes somebody no. now no. i mean fuck, if there's a if there's those? a story reason no. that works out for it Innovation. she'll do it but i just it, it the build it doesn't make sense for her and what she wants to do like i mean she wants to learn she wants to develop knowledge the lore bar is perfect for that um We'll we'll okay. see. I'm not saying it's impossible, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. We're jump. We're maybe, counting our chickens anyway. Maybe, anyway. Right. maybe you are counting your chickens. Uh, yeah, we're we're talking about things, and we don't even know if it's going to happen. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, uh, we spent a lot of time on that. Soretti, uh, could you real quick tell us a little bit about designing Worm Fight to Revenge of the Mother Worm? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't supposed to be a fight, really. Um, I. I... Uh, I knew how deadly this creature was, so it wasn't the same type of worm that I'd thrown at them when they were like level five or six or whatever. Um, this was a much larger worm um, mm-hmm. and much deadlier. It's a worm. It was, um, and uh, and I fully expected them to be overly cautious. Um, so when I said the sandstorm was coming in and it was going to affect their visibility. I 100% thought that they were going to like just hunker down and like put up the dome and be like, we're just going to wait it out. Um, The other thing I really thought for them was like Quinn, um, Chad had already asked me like when he was about to take off his armor, he's like, how much further do we have? And I was like, well, you don't know. I was like, you know, you've gone, you know, you'll you'll be hitting like the four hour mark soon. Uh, You don't know if it's 
at the four hour mark, if it's at the six hour mark, if like, you know, you don't know when you're going to run into this thing. And so I thought also that mindset they already had was like, okay, we're going in a really bad situation. Don't want to, don't want to tip the scales against us knowing how dangerous these things can be. And so I figured, okay, I'm going to tell them this. They say it's not that bad. It's going to affect their visibility. They'll just like hunker down in their dome um, and like wait it out. Uh, they didn't. And then they kept going. And I was like, okay, now you see this like valley and the storm's coming. Are you still, are you going to go? What are you going to do? And they like hummed it hot and they're like, no, we're just going to keep going. I'm like, are you sure? You're going to keep walking? Okay, can't see anything. Okay. Then they did okay. Like they didn't do amazing on their perceptions, but they did okay. And, and there was like the whole point. So the whole point of that encounter was to take out the void worm silently because they float and they are not on the ground. You can, they, and they have really low HP. It was meant mm-hmm. to like pick them off or get them to come towards them. But the worm wouldn't have any idea because they would be far enough away that it wouldn't be able to sense them on the sand. Um, and they have a, a lot of range. Like Campion has really great range. Um, uh, Quinn has like a 120 foot spell. Um, so does Baltheim Oriana. Has- yeah, Baltheim yeah. and Oriana both have Eldritch Blast. Um, and so I figured this this will they'll figure this out and they'll but they walked right in. And then even then I was like, okay, well they're not close enough yet. Um, when the message happened, that was a, a signal to the void worms to communicate and say like. And that started gotcha. battle, unfortunately. So it wasn't meant to be an encounter for them to like all out brawl. And I knew it was going to be deadly if they did. Um, it actually wasn't set as a, I think it was set as like a hard encounter, but like one hit from that worm is so massive. But like, if you mm-hmm. see like Sinric took out three quarters of its health in like three rounds or two, two and a half rounds almost. So like the problem, the problem it was is dying. It, it had like 32. HP it did, it did. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, is, is like if they all folk, if they were all able to focus it, which they weren't because they couldn't see, and it kept like going under the the ground, um, it, it, they could have taken it out probably pretty quickly, um, and it might have downed one of them or something like that. It was just an unfortunate situation. But that was kind of how it was designed. It really wasn't meant to be an all out run forward and, and fight this thing. Um, and as for the little worms, the thing that I was hoping for, um, they were cool little like homebrewed creatures. When they when they bite you, they can do like a a, um, a weird kind of effect. It only lasts for a round, but actually some of them were like one of them is like it gives you two point two two d six temporary hit hit points. Um, Interesting. Because they've got this weird, they're like weird ab- aberration like creatures. Um, and uh, and yeah, I was like, oh, I really wanted to see these effects, but the DC is super. Again, those were supposed to be super easy creatures to take out. The DC was like 11, um, so they all were beating it no problem. And then the one person who failed, I think, was Campion, and then he just used his uh, his font of inspiration or whatever mm-hmm. the the intelligence thing that he gets. Um, so so it didn't it didn't work out. But um, most of the statuses were not great. It was like, oh, you drop prone, or you get like you go blind for a round or something like that. But there was a couple that were like actually good for you. I think one actually like levitated you off the ground. Um, cool. So like really chaotic little world. Yeah, it was thing. chaotic. It was meant to be like very like chaos wild magic. wild magic-y. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, 
with that, we're going to transition into our topic for today. So we didn't get to talk about Campion. It was very fun how he was floating around like a little dandelion puff um, <laughs> during the battle. That was hilarious. Was was like, oh, fun. bye. <laughs> Dude, oh, wait, I was okay. like, yeah. I love after you man, did it, you were like, oh, you were like, oh shit, wait. <laughs> I was like, no, you wait, you know, yeah. Like I mean, it was wasn't. Second. It wasn't a we, bad place to be considering his range. No, no, he, he ended up being yeah. fine, but it was just funny. Yeah. Yeah, I saw yeah. his face after he yeah. did it. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, okay, fuck. okay. Um, so our topic for today is ending campaigns um obviously a lot of campaigns don't go all the way to the end they trickle off or they peter out or something happens it's pretty rare i think for people to manage to get all the way to the end but the end is what we're talking about today um so first just quickly serenity how far along are we in the current shields of twilight campaign are we close to end game are we like halfway through what's the basic idea i assume we're like halfway through maybe oh not even a third of the way. Oh, oh. so I'm, we've got a while to go. Cool I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning this campaign will probably be around 150 to 200 sessions. Oh, that's so many. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so don't worry, fans. We'll be with you for years yet. Um, <laughs> cool beans. Okay, so have any of you run a campaign to its natural end or played in a campaign that ended naturally? I played in one. Either both? Mm -hmm. I haven't run one to the end. There's always something that happens that people's lives get in the way, have kids, can't get together anymore, and things break mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. But I played in one. Uh, I honestly, don't I've, think so, I've never no. oh, I'm, I'm I, I, like I, I, I've never even ran one. Ah, oh, dude. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> No, I, I can't say that. Oh, I damn. Know. I feel super embarrassed. No, it's a natural thing for D&D. It's really like hard. A lot of yeah. people's campaigns like, yeah, never end. Yeah. I've done, yeah, I've done yeah. both, actually. I've both played in a campaign that end, and managed to end my own campaign. It was such a struggle. I lost half my players by the end. <laughs> Serenity managed to come back for the last game. Um, but yeah, endings are hard. Um, Cool beans. So those of you who are currently running, um, which is Serenity and Jay, Jay, I don't think you're running anything currently. Don't do <laughs> so. Um, so do you currently have an idea of how your campaign is going to end? No spoilers, but. Yep, I can tell you how I could right now, if I wanted to tell you exactly how it's going to end um, and exactly how each of the players' backstories would play out. Uh, I have a, have a general idea of how my campaign's going to end, and I have a general idea of how this campaign is going to end. Uh, you have no idea how this campaign's going to end. <laughs> no, 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 I do, I do, I do, I do. See, Therizdun's going to rise from the shadowy pit that he was summoned from, and then a worm's going to come along and eat him. Okay. <laughs> Return the, the worm. The world-eating worm. The, the world world serpent. Worm. Yeah, Ragnarok. <laughs> yep, that's right. Your, your world Linder. serpent. Yeah, Nor 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 Jorgen, 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 I say, I, I say, we fuck up, and then somehow we get thrown into the future and have to deal with thought, like the consequences. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, or or by the time you're like level fourteen, uh, if Orion is still around, she gets the dream spell where she takes you all to another realm, and then oh yeah, that one, yeah. campaign. 
stream of the blue veil or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, start yeah. over. Oh, Wonderful. God, Tanya is so last season. An alternate reality where you're all in a pop band. I am serious. You use that spell, you're going to be in a very different place. You're very funny. I Um, mean, you say Oriana being in a pop band. Like, I mean, I'm like, where's the downside, really? Yeah, I'm saying. saying, You do it on stage. You do that. The campaign's going in a very different direction. But, but yeah, I have I have a general idea. Like, obviously. You have to be be flexible and determine like if I felt like players were getting fatigued or I was getting fatigued um, or uh, it just didn't feel like the we were finding like a logical place to go. Um, I, I could flexibly shorten uh, the campaign if I needed to um, mm-hmm. and I could tie things up if I needed to. Um, and I think as a DM, you kind of always have to be willing to, to do that and like move things around. Um, but uh, but I have like an end game of like where I want them to get to and kind of like what I want them to experience. Yeah, the bow you tie up the loose ends and it's not always messy, but at least it's a knot. Um, it's usually messy, not, at least it's not as what yeah. I mean. Um, Cool beans. Uh, so how early in a campaign do you usually have an idea for what the final leg is going to look like and what the eventual end is going to look like? Do you starts. like right at the beginning or yeah, starts for serenity? I knew that well, um, I, I write me? a beginning, a middle and an end. So I have like usually three campaign arcs that mm. I always do. It's kind of like writing like a novel or a story. Mm. You always want to have like mm. your pieces um, and then you can move things around within those various pieces but you want to have your general arcs that like tie the rest of your story together and then you can thread players backstories like through those various different arcs and stuff like that which is what i'm trying to do now so we're actually the reason i'm saying it's not even a third of the way done we're still actually in campaign arc one right now yeah for me uh it's it well i i've to the two campaigns uh i've i've done the serenity way where i i had everything i mean a, a lot of fucking things planned out dude documents on documents um and it it was going man i had three arcs i had f- chapters for arcs man it was it was it was a saga it was a saga um Beautiful. and then in the other one i i went i went i went completely free ball uh anything was possible and um mm. i felt in my sense i i like both but i i i I find the free ball intriguing. Um, I it keeps you as a DM on your toes. I mean, yeah, you you can't go like too wild out there, you know. But as long as you keep it grounded um, and you kind of set some rules beforehand of like the world and everything, and boom, just go for it and uh, have fun because like your players are gonna have fun, and then you are gonna have fun building this world with them. It's it's this kind of cohabitation. Um, and I feel like uh, you mean that's, collaboration. That's really intriguing. I mean, you're cohabitating. Collaboration, man. I'm tired, man. Universe. I'm tired. <laughs> got a new Jism. Got a new Jism. I know it was between uh, cohabitation and collaboration. It was collaboration. <laughs> I was. I love it. I mean, find <laughs> the dictionary. Yeah. You just make a dictionary. We dude. need a Jism dictionary. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm gonna start making one, Jay. Once we had like little magnets so we could. We are. We have J quotes. You have J quotes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, sell them, we'll sell them as merch, man. Yeah. 
and sell them as merch. It's not not even Do- it's not Dobbyisms. It's literally Jay. No, no, no. I was gonna say like a subsection <laughs> of the book be Dobbyisms. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Like, like the little Stop like the little ass. blurbs. <laughs> <laughs> like the little blurbs that uh, Wizards puts in all their books from the from the yeah. authors. Yeah. Oh. oh, Jay, never change. <clears throat> uh, my situation is actually pretty unique because the current campaign I'm running does not have any of the same players as what started or were the second group of players. It's currently on everybody who is in a third group of players. Um, so nothing that I had planned from the original is is even there anymore because none of the stories even relate back to what I wanted. Uh, the BBEG has completely changed. Um, a lot of the a lot of the story beats are still the same. There's still a lot of things that I wanted in the in the world that I've kept, but now I've adjusted a lot of them to fit the players that are in. So, for me, I used to DM like not necessarily knowing who, 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 what I want the whole story to be. I have an idea of where I want to end and I have a dear, an idea where I want to begin. And I want to see the crazy shit that the players get up to along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think over the years, I've realized kind of how hectic that style of DMing is. And I think I'm going to move more towards probably like what Serenity does with the beginning arc, a middle arc and an end arc. I used to just think like, 10 to 12 sessions at a time and put those mm-hmm. on as arcs and that just seems way too chaotic looking back it's there's not really a direction if the party uh ignores certain details then the then a plot line doesn't happen if a party gets way caught up on a minor detail i didn't have anything planned for but it was just a tease for the future all of a sudden i'm doing something that was supposed to be later but now it's now so i think i'm definitely going to migrate more towards that side you know beginning arc middle arc and arc mm-hmm. oh, i also yeah. love foreshadowing and i find like if i'm so if i'm going session to session or if i'm kind of like mmoing it where it's like the players are kind of dictating what the story is. It's a lot harder for me to foreshadow things because I don't even know how they're going to end it. Right. Like you may have like some vague idea, but you don't really know, like with the way that I have everything set up, like there have already been plenty of things that have been foreshadowed that they'll tie, they'll see later and they'll be like, well, shit. Um, like Oriana's mom being a spellcaster. Or like even the small <laughs> things, like I foreshadowed the, the fallen star and they came to the mm-hmm. city and they're like, Oh, Oh, no. Um, uh, but like you know, like I I really enjoy those kind of moments um, because because I feel like that makes you be more diligent in like taking in the details of the story and being like, is this something like that's going to show up later? And then being excited or intrigued when it does. Uh, and I find that that's harder when you're just kind of like piecemealing everything together and you don't mm-hmm. have a full full picture. But yeah. Um... What do you think is a good way to pick an ending time? Like, do you generally plan campaigns to go to a certain level? Do you have a date in uh, in mind? Like, the reason my campaign ended was I moved to a different time zone. I could no longer run it. Um, so I just sort of, I had to jettison more than half my plot and hopefully wrap it up in a way that made narrative sense-ish. Um, but yeah, but if you have the the flexibility to pick an end, like, wh- what's the marker for that? 
I always try to set the goal. I just always try to set the goal higher than I ever expect to, which is let's make a level 20 campaign. And if I see that interest is dying off, maybe we start shortening it then. You know, plan for longer than you really expect to go. And then you can always kind of end it if there's a dying interest. The problem I've always run to run into running in campaigns is that people just disappear off the face of the map. They don't even say, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I'm losing interest. It's they're there one session, they're gone. You never hear from them again. Literally, in some cases, I had one person tell me they needed to take a week off. And then they just deleted all they well, they deleted their their roll twenty account, they deleted their Discord. Like I have no idea what happened to that person. They just they dropped off, off the face of the earth. Um so that's what I usually find is sort of the limiter is that people just end up disappearing. So one of the good things about roll twenty and doing it digitally is that you don't have to have that problem of everybody's in different time zones, we can't play anymore. But it also makes it harder for people to just stay around. Like the fact that our uh, group, which I'm going to refer to as uh, Jay, Serenity, Chad, Laura, and I, have been together for a year and a half now, is like mind-boggling to me because I've never had a group last this long. Yeah, Truth and I have known each other. We met through Ro- Roll20 on Friday. We've known each other for like four years. Yeah. yeah. Can you believe yeah, that? Yeah, it's been forever. Right? Oh my God. Um, yeah, it's kind of amazing. We've been in and around D&D together right. for a yeah. while. Um, crazy. Yeah, for me, I like so many of the most exciting, like D&D gets really unbalanced like game, but so many of the most exciting parts and pieces and facets of D&D are super high level. And I feel like that's where the real like epic fantasy comes out. Like that is where you are like, you know, Lord of the Rings fighting Sauron, you know, doing the like epic shit, having those like major battles um, and really feeling like you're either OP or like, like you're getting to do that like movie-esque action scene kind of like, kind of like stuff. Um, And so I try to push for that. Um, but also that's like also a little bit selfish on me because some of my f- most favorite like encounters and monsters and stuff to run are like high level and you can't get to that mm-hmm. unless you get people there. Um, but the other nice thing about like milestone leveling is if you feel a campaign is starting to like wane and you need to get people to like a higher level, you can just be like, yeah, you get a level. Right? Like, mm-hmm. And you can like still get to level 20. It just may not be in the same number of sessions that you originally thought. It may be in... 75 sessions uh maybe mm-hmm. in 50 just because you're going really fast um and you can still get those like final few encounters that you want i think it really um you know like i don't have a date i have a general just a general arc of like where the players need to go and what they need to do and it's really on them how fast or how slow they want to want to get there um and what they want to explore and what they want to ignore um like they didn't have to do all of these things. They could have just been like, "Fuck you, Lex." Like, uh, we we're not going to do this stuff. Um, and what that would have meant at the at, in the campaign, yeah, it might have been an encounter later on, or it might have been fine. She doesn't help you or whatever. Um, but it doesn't mean that the campaign ends and like you can't progress forward. It just would have been a different story beat, and it would have meant something different. Same with like not doing their thing for Aaron. They don't. They they got what they needed out of her. Maybe she doesn't help them anymore, but like they they got the ritual out of it. Like, so all I'm saying is, is I like the fact that the players kind of can dictate how fast or slow they want to get through things. But I find that if players are engaged in a, 
a story and a campaign in a world, they'll generally want to go be like, I want to see what this is. Like, I want to figure this out and often spend sessions doing stuff that you're like, 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 like Jake said, I thought this was a minor detail. I didn't think this was going to be important. And it ends up becoming like a, a four or five session adventure arc. If mm -hmm. the players are super interested in it. So, um, so yeah, I don't have a set date. Um, but I will try to make sure that this campaign has a natural conclusion and every character gets sort of their due um, so that they feel like they've had a, a full growth in story and who their character was. So, um. Yeah, for me, a uh, little bit with Serenity, I always try to, you know, I want to make sure that every character has a time to shine. And so I, I will... Uh, make story beats to where uh, you know characters get to have that kind of resolution with their characters and once I'm usually done with everyone um, then I would have you know overall arcing you know end arc and then you know boom completed with that I mean you can also have just you know characters just like oh shit you know I want to follow this guy he seems like an interesting interesting person and then you gotta pull shit out of your ass uh, but but yeah I feel you know you always gotta make sure that all, you know, all, all of your players, you know, have that juggling act that everyone's kind of, you know, being intrigued um, to the levels of, you know, where they want to be. And then, uh, you know, end it when uh, you feel like uh, you've, you've kind of squeezed the last juices from the lemon. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I also talked to all the players beforehand too. And I was like, what? Like, I think that's something also important because some players don't want to play to Epic level. Like I've played with people who are like, mm -hmm. I don't like D and D past level ten because it gets so unbalanced. Like I don't, I don't enjoy it. And so it's something that I think you talk with your players about and say like, well, what are you looking for in a campaign? Like, do you guys care? If, do you want to go to level twenty? Um, I did talk to these guys about it and I said, do you want to go to level twenty? I even considered maybe going like even higher and doing epic, but I'm like, no. Uh, I think I think our first campaign <laughs> will will finish. Um, it gets a little unbalanced after twenty. Just well, it gets unbalanced long before, long even before twenty. Um, uh, but like, uh, I, you know, but I, I, it's it's something that I debated, but yeah, I, I talked to them about it and 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 we agreed like, yeah, they we want to see this out to its like epic conclusion. So. So that's what I'm building. But, you know, if down the road, you know, by session 60, everyone's like, man, this is kind of dragging. I kind of want to make a new character and do something new. I can always figure something out and, and mm. see a logical conclusion for, for the rest of the group. Yeah, as far as speaking of that or um, that in general, how flexible do you need to keep your ending just to kind of like... Because obviously, obviously, players will always do unpredictable things. You cannot foresee. Um, and of course, you can have like all this sort of like all roads lead to Rome technique, which I'm personally fond of. Um, but like, yeah, how flexible is your ending to incorporate what the, what weird shit the players do in the beginning and the middle? I think that depends on like how involved their story is with what's going on at the end like if if what's going on in um the end of the game the ending arc is completely unrelated to what your characters do which th that is a way to do it you know you you could just have that it's the next problem that's come up and it just so happens to be a world ending calamity and you're you guys are the most powerful people around you guys got to stop it um then I don't think you really need to have sort of a backup plan for it. 
Whereas if you're having the BBEG show up throughout the, you know, throughout the entire campaign, uh, then it's a problem of, well, you need to make sure that BBEG doesn't die. Or if they do die, there's a plan in place, you know, like it's a wizard and they used clone or something like that. Um, there are ways around it and there are methods that are inbuilt into the mechanics to make sure that, you know, you can make a plan work uh, as a DM. Um but I, 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 yeah, I guess it, it just depends how, how involved, how involved is the story. Yeah, I, I uh, for I'm... me, I believe. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, for me, um, I believe it's it, it depends on just what you want to do. Um, me, I, I will throw an idea out the fucking window if I if I believe it's not going there. Because at the end of the day, you can always hold that in your back pocket. Like I believe your party is what story you need to focus on right now. And once their story is done, you can do a fucking time skip in the same fucking world. And the big and, and the big bad is just still like in the fucking background. And you can just have a next generation, you know, that is assembled of either characters that that still want to continue or like you have a group of new new people. But understand that your world is con always think about your world is constantly evolving and that while your character like your characters are just a small finite piece of that other shit is going on dude so anything is fucking possible man. <laughs> honestly at the end of the day it's just what's it's what you you just want you think what's cool or you or you know you just think that the story beat that you kind of want to hit at the end that's that's fucking it yeah i think uh, i'm like super flexible like i know how i how i want uh if we go to that very epic level how i would want that to end but i think i've put enough things in place that if the characters and the players were like, we're happy at level 12, like where we are, or like we, we see a logical conclusion, I could easily make a logical conclusion there that would then branch out with other facets of the world that could potentially handle, you know, what other things are, are kind of going on and stuff like that. And it's not just all on their shoulders. And if they don't do what they need to do, everything ends and, and the world doesn't exist anymore. Um, um, that being said, I also like consequences for things that, that happen as well. So, um, so, you know, based on their choices, things shift and change in the world as well. But, um, but I think as a, as a DM, you have to be flexible because like Jake said, one day a player may just be like, my mom's sick or, you know, my family's moving somewhere or, and I can't, I'm not going to have access to internet for the next four months. Um, uh, and I can't play. Um, and, and if that starts to happen and starts to affect the rest of your game, like you have to figure out, okay, like, how are we going to make this work? And how are we going to like logically conclude this? I find like going on hiatus never works. You go on hiatus and you never come back to that same game again. It's like taking a break in your relationship. That just means you're breaking up. Exactly. Like you're, you, yeah, you're yeah, on yeah, hiatus. You're like, yeah, we'll come back to this. And then when everyone, even if it's the same group and you all get back together, you're just like, no, we want to start something new, man. Like I got a better account. And like new classes yeah, have come out, new subclasses. Yeah. People want to try this new thing. And they're like, nah, I want to, I want to play something different. Whole new ideas. Yeah. Fuck. So it's like, I find yeah. like you can never really go on hiatus from a campaign um, and, and jump back in. So you kind of have to find a logical conclusion to, to where you are or let it drop. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's our time for today. Do you guys have any final thoughts on finals before we close out? Uh, um, they do not know. Always. For this finale, I can say that. 
Um, my uh, little bit of advice, uh, you know, always keep ideas. Uh, you know, just like a little idea, I guess, jar <laughs> or folder or whatever, dude. Like, uh-huh. like, because you can always you can always plug and play it somewhere else. Um, you know, good ideas, you know, are very far and few between that you can kind of like keep, uh, but always be willing to to hold on to that. That's great advice in general. Cannibalize your own stuff. That's right. Just like right. steal from yourself. It's fine. Steal from yeah. yourself. And then it's not steal stealing. It's just recycling. It's just recycling. Hey. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Thank you guys for joining me tonight. Um, thank you to the viewers for tuning in. Um, thank you to Sunburn Lady Meows for doing our uh, theme and our logo. Uh, stick around, uh, look at the links that we've got. They're still important, stuff's still happening. The inauguration is tomorrow. Please stay safe if you're the, in the United States and stay safe if you're not in the United States too, you know? COVID. Yeah, because COVID. And good night. We will see you next week. Yeah, see you on Friday for see the you guys. Uh, conclusion. Send all your net 20s or to saveoriana.com. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> donate a net 20 today. See you guys later.